Chapter 26 of Ideala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wild Shimmering Path. Ideala by Sarah Grand. Chapter 26. Ideala lingered unwillingly, but the reason of her reluctance to go was not far to seek now that lorimer knew she loved him she was ashamed to go back it would have been bad enough had he been able to come to her but going to him was like reversing the natural order of things and unsexing herself i suppose however that she forgot her shyness in her desire to be with him as the time went on and the effort it cost her to conquer her fear and go to him was not so dreadful as the blank she would have been obliged to face had she stayed away at all events she fixed a day at last and one morning she announced to us sadly enough that on the morrow she must say farewell she made the announcement just after breakfast and claudia rose and left the room without a word my sister had never been able to speak to idiala on the subject but she did not cease to urge me to expostulate and she had suggested many arguments which had affected idiala and made her unhappy but without altering her determination i could not find a word to say to her that morning and during the slow hours of the long day that dragged itself on so wearily for all of us nothing new occurred to me it will be a relief when it is over i said to my sister yes she answered it is worse than death in the evening she came to my study and said idiala is alone in the south drawing-room i wish you would go to her and make a last effort to dissuade her i consented hopelessly and went idiala was standing in a window looking out listlessly she was very pale and i could see that she had been weeping i sat down near the fire and presently she came and sat on the floor beside me and laid her head against my knee in all the years of my love for her she had never been so close to me before and i was glad to let her rest a long long time like that were you happy while you were with lorimer idiala i asked at last she did not answer at once and when she did it was almost in a whisper no never quite happy till this last time she said never entirely at ease even it was when i left him when i was alone and could think of him that the joy came there was nothing real in your pleasure then i went on it was purely imaginary due to your trick of idealizing everything and everybody you care for i do not know she said do you think it was the same with him i asked again i mean all along did it always make him happy to have you there i cannot tell she said yes i think at times he was glad but a word would alter his mood and then he would grow sad and silent even on the last occasion no not on the last occasion he was happy then and she smiled at the recollection ah so happy it was like new life to him he was so young so fresh so glad like a boy but before when his moods varied so often did it ever seem to you that he was troubled and dissatisfied with himself that the intimacy had begun on his part under a misapprehension and that when he began to know you better he had tried to end it and save you by not seeing you on that occasion ah that occasion again she ejaculated i forgot to tell you but i asked for an explanation just to satisfy you here it is 
and she took a note from her pocketbook and handed it to me. It was one which she had written to him. I do not understand, I said. Read it, she answered, and you will find I asked him to expect me on Monday, the 26th. It was a clerical error. Tuesday was the 26th, and I went on Tuesday. He waited for me the whole long Monday, and that night he had to set off suddenly for the continent on business connected with the great hospital. He went, wondering what had detained me, and expecting an explanation. When he returned, he inquired, but nobody could tell him whether I had been or not. So he waited, and waited, as I did, expecting to hear, and as much perplexed and distressed as I was, and as proud, for he never thought of writing to me, nor did he think of looking at my note again until I wrote the other day, and then he discovered the mistake. Now are you satisfied? About that? Yes, I answered, reluctantly. It was no relief to end him blameless. But what did he mean when he talked of conscience and scruples? He used to laugh at my troublesome conscience, as he called it, she answered evasively. Would he have known you had a conscience, do you think, if he had none himself? I asked her. Did he ever say anything that showed he was yielding to a strong inclination which he could not justify and would not conquer? Oh, no, she said, then added undecidedly. At least, he did say once, of course, in the opinion of the world, the thing cannot be justified. But then he went on as if it had slipped from him involuntarily. Bah! I am only doing as other men do. Which shows he was not exactly satisfied to be only as other men are. That is what I have often told you, she said. His ideal of life, both for himself and others, is the highest possible, and he suffers when he falls below it, or even belies himself with a word. Passion never lasts, and love does not lead to evil, I continued meditatively. If you love him, Idiala, how will you bear to feel that he has degraded himself by degrading you? Ah, oh, do not speak like that, she exclaimed. There is no degradation in love. It is sin that degrades, and sin is something that corrupts our minds, is it not, and makes us unfit for any good work and unwilling to undertake any. This is very different. Idiala, do you remember telling me once that you had a strange feeling about yourself? that you thought you would be made to go down into some great depth of sin and suffering in order to learn what it is you have to teach? Ah, yes, she answered, but I have not gone down. I must obey my own conscience, not yours, and my conscience tells me the thing is right which you hold to be wrong. I am quite willing to believe it would be wrong for you, but for me it is clearly right. You said the other day he had lowered me. What a fiction that is! In what have I changed for the worse? Do I fail in any duty of life since I knew him, in which I previously succeeded? Oh, no, he has not lowered me. Love like this rounds a life and brings it to perfection. It could not wreck it. But, Idiala, you are going to fail in a duty. You are going to fail in the most important duty of your life, your duty to society. I owe nothing to society, she answered obstinately. I have always admired you. I pursued, for not letting your own experience warp your judgment. Oh, what a falling off is here. I have heard you wish to be something more than an independent unit of which no account need be taken. How can we, any of us, say we owe nothing to society, when we owe every pleasure in life to it? Do we owe nothing to those who have gone before, 
and whom we have to thank for the music the painting the poetry and all the arts which would leave a big blank in your life idiola if they ceased to exist you would have been a mere savage by now without refinement enough to appreciate that rose at your waist-belt but for the labor and self-denial which the hundreds and thousands who lived and loved and suffered in order to make you what you are have bestowed on you and all of us you would not say if you thought a moment that society had done nothing for you and no one can honestly think that they owe it nothing in return it seems to me that a rigid observation of the laws which hold society together and make life possible for all of us and pleasant for some is the least we can do and do you know idiala when a woman ever thinks of doing what you propose to do she has already gone down to a low depth of ingratitude if of nothing else i do not propose to do anything that will injure any one she answered coldly i am free am i not to dispose of myself as i like to give myself to whomever i please we are none of us free in that sense of the word i replied all are but parts of one stupendous whole whose body nature is and god the soul you are as i know you have desired to be part of a system and an important part all the toil and trouble of the world and all the work which began with the life of man is directed towards one great end the doing away with sin and suffering and the establishment of purity and peace and this work seems almost hopeless not because the multitude do not approve of it but because individuals are cowardly and will not do their share of it every act of yours has a meaning it either helps or hinders what is being done to further this the object of life lately idiala you have been talking wildly without for a moment considering the harm you may be doing you have expressed opinions which are calculated to make people discontented with things as they are you rob them of the content which has made them comfortable heretofore and yet you offer them nothing better in return for it you would have society turned topsy-turvy and all for what why simply to make a wrong thing right for yourself if your example were followed by all the unhappy people in the world how would it end do you think there must be moral laws and it is inevitable that they should press hardly on individuals occasionally but it is clearly the duty of individuals to sacrifice themselves for the good of the community at large i do not understand your morality she said do you think that although i love another man it would be right for me to go back and live with my husband right but under the circumstances not advisable and at any rate nothing would make it moral for you to go to that other man oh do not fill my mind with doubt she pleaded piteously i love him let me go i did not answer her and after a while she began again passionately we are free agents in these things individuals must know what is best for themselves if i devote my life to him as i propose who would be hurt by it should i be less pure-minded and would he be less upright in all his dealings when things can be legally right though morally wrong can they not also be morally right though legally wrong i have already tried to show you idiala i answered preparing to go over the old ground again patiently that we none of us stand alone that we are all part of this great system and that in cases like yours individuals must suffer must even be sacrificed for the good of the rest 
when the sacrifice is voluntary we call it noble if i go to him i shall have sacrificed a good deal you will have sacrificed others not yourself he is all the world to you idiala the loss would be nothing to the gain she hid her face in her hands and what is required of you is self-sacrifice and surely it would be happier in the end for you to give him up now than to live to feel yourself a millstone round his neck i do not understand you she said looking up quickly the world you see will know nothing of the fine sentiments which made you determine to take this step i said you will be spoken of contemptuously and he will be the fellow who is living with another man's wife don't you know and that will injure him in many ways do you think so she asked anxiously i know it i replied and look at it from that or any other point of view you like and you must see you are making a mistake a woman in your position sets an example whether she will or not and even if all your best reasons for this step were made public you would do harm by it for there are only too many apt enough as it is at finding specious excuses for their own shortcomings who would be glad if they dared to do likewise and you would not gain your object after all you would neither be happy yourself nor make lorimer happy people like you are sensitive about their honour it is the sign of their superiority and the indulgence of love even at the moment and under the most favourable circumstances of youth beauty and intellectual equality does not satisfy such natures if the indulgence be not regulated and sanctified by all that men and women have devised to make their relations moral this was my last argument and when i had done she sat there for a long time silent resting her head against my knee and scarcely breathing she was fighting it out with herself and i thought it best to leave her alone besides i had already said all there was to say repetition would only have irritated her and there was nothing now for it but to wait outside i could hear the dreary drip of raindrops somewhere in the room a clock ticked obtrusively but it was long past midnight and the house was still i thought that only the night and silence watched me and waited upon the suffering of this one poor soul at last she moved uttering a low moan like one in pain mm, i do see it she said almost in a whisper and i am willing to give him up god in his mercy help you i prayed and forgive me she answered humbly she was quite exhausted and passively submitted when i led her to her room i closed the shutters to keep out the cheerless dawn and made the fire burn up and lit the lamps she sat silently watching me and did not seem to think it odd that i should do this for her she clung to me then as a little child clings to its father and like a father i ministered to her reverently then left her as i hoped to sleep my sister opened her door as i passed she was dressed and had been watching too the whole night long well she asked i kissed her it is well i answered and she burst into tears can i go to her now she said yes go i went to claudia's room and waited after a long time she returned she is quiet at last she told me sorrowfully and so the long night ended end of chapter twenty six